Hey guys, it's the Robert Gardner Wellness Podcast, and I'm here today with Elise Wandering Hummingbird. She's a wonderful therapist, had a chance of meeting in Washington State, and of course, we are in the age of coronavirus. <laughs> Elise, can you tell them, uh, the audience a little bit about you and also um, where they can find you online? Uh, a little bit about me. I am Elise Wondering Hummingbird. Uh, that's basically my branding. That's what I'm going with for my social media. So like Instagram Wondering underscore Hummingbird. Uh, Wondering Hummingbird Massage is my practice up in Issaquah, Washington. Um, I had pre-COVID, I had about five people that were working with me um, out of our nice cute little office up there. Pre-COVID, or should I say BC before COVID. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, crazy stuff. Uh, you know, about me and the massage industry, I mean, I've been massaging since I was a kid, you know, growing up. Um, I would massage my mom's head until she'd forget why she was mad at me. You know, so scalp massage is just wonderful. Uh, in 2017, I went to the World Massage Championship with my mentor, uh, Joe Lavin, and competed and got bronze, which was super, super amazing highlight. Uh, I absolutely loved it. I got to meet so many people from across the world and I've been checking in with them through this whole thing and I, I recently saw that Switzerland just got back to work and Israel just got back to work so that's it's a lot of fun that's cool I'm waiting for whenever it's our turn and yeah so I just you know I massage I try and inspire as many people as I can I love touch touch is one of the most um, meaningful things not only in my life but I think in the world and that's kind of you know what my life is mainly regarded So how have you been uh, impacted by lack of touch due to our current situation? Oh my goodness. Well, I've definitely, I has, was already teaching my boyfriend how to do massage. And so it's really stepped up in this uh, day and age. I, us I usually get one massage a week. I try and go to all the best massage therapists in the area that I'm at. And right now I'm in Cabo San Lucas because right as all this was going down, I was moving down here to open up a practice and then everything just shut. And so, you know, I've really been missing it, just receiving myself personally, uh, someone who deals with chronic pain from six car wrecks and everything else like that. Uh, and then not giving touch, man, it's such a weird fucking thing not to be able to just like go to work and give them an amazing massage and see my clients and to be around them. You know, I get emails from them, I email them, I talk to them. I've been trying to keep in touch at least once a week with everybody, just kind of like updating them with like, this is what the Department of Health is saying. This is what, you know, uh, all these, you know, things are doing, you know, how are you guys feeling? What do you, what will make you guys more comfortable when we come back? And, oh, it's, it's like, I can't imagine myself doing anything else in this world. I, I used to do sales. I used to do waitressing. I used to do a lot of other jobs and massage is really where my passion is. And the thought process of having to go away from that, even for a matter of months or years is <clears throat> heart rendering, man. Hmm. I think I just pushed even further online and teaching online, which I was already doing pre pandemic. So it hasn't, changed that much for me because I see a very low volume of clients. It's maybe a third of my usual income, uh, not including like another third from teaching classes. So two thirds, you know, being wiped out, I just focused on the third that was left, but it's, um, I don't know. 
I couldn't have foreseen it. That's for sure. There was, I was no, there was no prediction. Oh, Hey, everything's normal. And now, Oh wait, it's like a bomb dropped on our entire industry. Yeah. Um, out of curiosity, how is your subscription doing? How are people, are they going online and seeking out more and more education now that we have all this time um, on our hands? We, we have, we have grown very in very small numbers. We've had a large number of relatively of like unsubscribes because well, people don't have any income. So, you know, they're not going to pay seven bucks, much less, you know, something greater than that. Um, but I don't get the sense that people aren't subscribing because they don't like what we're providing. They just like, Hey, I got a, I got no income. I got to unsubscribe. And I'm like, yeah, it's fine. You can come back later if you want to like, no, no worries. Um, it has grown a little bit because I think more people are home, more people are looking at online education, more people need CE credits if they're taking those CEs online, if their state allows it. Uh, the biggest difference is I think, you know, there might be a handful of people who are generally relaxed and they're going to use this time to study or, you know, develop new skills. And then there are a lot of people who are just kind of halfway where I am, which is like, you're just kind of floating around, like waiting for it to hopefully clear up so you can stop drinking so much and grilling or whatever it is, you know, Not, that's just me. <laughs> so um, I think online education is, you know, probably growing a little bit during this time, but for people whose industry just got wiped out, I think, you know, massage is fairly non-essential is the way it's looked at, but at the same time, it's like, I don't think people understand that our entire industry just vanished overnight. Like you can still go to the grocery store, grocery stores still run. But like when it comes to massage, every massage therapist, you know, is unemployed. Yeah. Well, it's been really interesting for me talking to everybody about how they've been um, trying to, you know, jump around it, right? Like they're, they're taking a detour. They're trying to figure out another form of income. Um, so many people already had multiple streams because honestly, multiple streams is the only way to create um, the amount of wealth that we really need in order to sustain ourselves. Because as we get older, like I plan on being a massage therapist when I'm 70. Do I plan on seeing as many clients then as when I am now? No, I'm planning on, you know, whittling it down, whittling it down, <clears throat> teaching, sharing, all that. Um, but it's, I think it's really forced a lot of people to figure out either A, they don't want to be massage therapists anymore. I've seen a lot of that. Um, B, they need to uh, diversify, you know, whether it be in retail or it be in, you know, doing a different kind of job or, um, and then just really everybody's, or C, they're still reeling. I mean, I have no, I mean, I, whenever this went down, my lease was up on my office and I no longer have an office. You know, I've talked to people that I'm going to rent from whenever I get back in. But I can't tell you how many massage therapists on my feed. It's, I, you know, I can't pay my rent. My landlord just, like, let me out of my, my two-year commercial lease. Um, my landlord's not letting me out of my commercial lease. I mean, the thought process of all this is, damn. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate in many ways, and I don't want to rub salt in massage therapist wounds. Um, I just made certain business decisions that made a, a little bit easier on me so far. But if it goes much further, I have to go get a job. <laughs> like I have a mortgage and bills to pay. And when you wipe out classes and then other retail and whatever else, like clients, you know, when two thirds of your income dries up and you don't have that much like in savings, you know, makes a dent. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, I've been extremely lucky or blessed or whichever way you want to put it. Um, I took a loan right before all this happened. <laughs> so I now owe a shit ton of money. Um, but I mean, I had no debt before all this happened and I took a loan right beforehand because I was going to buy um, electric tables. I was going to get another, like another office space. We were going to expand and just poof, all that money went to living expenses. And so right now I'm still, you know, living off that money, figuring out how much do I need for rent? How long can I be without? And just uh, supporting, I mean, I've been trying to support people that aren't as lucky as I am, you know, people that are selling things, people that are, you know, doing GoFundMe. So, you know, donating to that sort of stuff, but really like we all need to help each other. And it's ridiculous that all the poor people have to help each other, but I'm okay with it because at least we can shift the money around to where nobody's going hungry. Hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I only see my window of the world through like Facebook massage groups, uh, even here in Austin. And there's been a lot of like infighting about when we can go back to work and what's going on and a lot of snarky ethical comments and who has ethics and who doesn't and who's going to break quarantine. And I, you know, just like I had a couple of therapists write me and they're like, you know, they're like, as a leader in the industry, you know, we're kind of looking for you to leadership about when we restart. And I'm like, I'm not an epidemiologist. Like, just do what your government tells you to do. Like, I'm not going to do any crazy cleaning compared to what I was doing previously. It's just basic sanitation. You know, it's well, like. What blows my mind is that people weren't wiping down things. People weren't washing their hands, weren't doing this sort of stuff. And I'm not saying that a lot of people weren't or that, but for people to come out and be like, oh my God, I have to do so much more cleaning now. Like, really? You weren't ever wiping down your handles? You weren't making sure things were, you know, clean between people? You weren't, it just, I mean, uh, it, even in school, they talked about, you know, how much you needed to clean. Uh, yeah. uh, even after school, you realize how, how germaphobic, my esthetician friend who, I mean, when our esthetician's gonna go back, that's even like further down the road because they don't even have the Department of Health up in Washington State, like, pushing for them to go back. Um, she is the cleanest person I have ever met in my life. I always thought she was OCD. And yeah. she is overwhelmed by the things that they're telling us. I don't know if you've seen any. I, is Texas being posting anything, like the Department of Health in Texas, about the PTE and all that so sort of stuff? So we're, we're not under the Department of Health anymore. We're under the Texas Department of Licensing and Registration. Uh, some people in Texas consider that a step backwards from being healthcare providers, but that's neither here nor there. Um, you, in Washington State, this is why I get banned from Washington State massage groups, by the way, because uh, of my lovely opinions. Um, we're just in a very different, like, legal climate when it comes to that. And TDLR is still, in the last year or so, taking the reins and, like, changing things. So, for instance, we're in the middle of COVID. I had to go get fingerprinted. I've been working as a massage therapist for 18 years. I don't know if I've ever been fingerprinted. So I had to go down, you know, sans mask, <laughs> put my fingers on a screen and, you know, whatever, and have them take fingerprints. My license, I think, expires technically today, but I haven't gotten word from the fingerprint company and I haven't gotten word from TDLR, which is basically standard practice at this stage. Happy birthday. <laughs> happy yeah. birthday they're like how is it i'm like no brass bands no mardi gras no <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, no, I think uh, my license had to renew in January. And as soon as my license renewed, um, I actually went and took an intro oral course, which is more than enough um, uh, time and hours for Washington State hands-on requirements. So the rest of my CEs I can do online. Um, but if I hadn't done that, I mean, there's no hands-on course being done right now. And then what are we going to do? I know you and me had done basically a private one-on-one, -on -one, like teaching, coaching, learning session. Is that what we're going to be doing for CEs? Are we going to make that one decision that it's okay to be around that one other teacher and then they quarantine for 14 days and most you know, states? And my guess is this, the students, uh, the therapists in various states are going to be in up in arms because of money. The states are going to waive in-person CE requirements across the board so you can take online classes. And then the therapists are just going to get their CEs that way until this is lifted and people feel safe. That's my, my biggest guess. Yeah. Well, Washington State still hasn't waived our on uh, hands-on. The only thing they've done is they've given us like an extra 60 days, an extra 90 days, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing what it is that they do do. But, uh, man, I mean... I, I appreciate online courses so much. I appreciate, you know, being able to video call and to talk to all these people. Um, it's so funny that everyone has such different standards. And when they set these standards, you were talking about the infighting. I've seen um, some of that. I don't really try to, to work with most of that. I actually talked to, uh, I think I talked to like seven or eight massage therapists a week kind of thing. And they all, you know, one of them sneaking a client here, one of them, their family unit, they're just doing their family unit members. One of them is doing one a day, but doing all these cleaning protocols. The other one went on a trip. So, you know, she did, she quarantined herself for 10 days. And, it, you know, it's a whole lot of loving people and saying that, hey, look, you know, I understand what your standards are. I appreciate that. You know, I hope that we can all, you know, get back to work and trying to be a lot of not judgmental on what people think are acceptable. You know, doing networking and building each other up and talking about like, do you need a thermometer? Are you gonna do a thermometer from far away before they even get in your room? Are you gonna have them bring a plastic trash bag with sheets so that yeah. you don't have to wash their dirty sheets? I mean, I. I keep saying this and, and I think I'm, I'm biased. And the reason I'm biased is because I moved to Austin a year after Hurricane Katrina and your Hurricane Katrina was like the bomb dropped, but it destroyed like city infrastructure. New Orleans was gone. Baton Rouge's population doubled overnight. You couldn't get bread at the store. It was just, you know, and, and you felt like the rest of the United States was just looking at it and laughing almost like watching it on the news. So I've experienced a little bit of this sort of mass uncertainty and chaos. The only difference is this is so like national level and then international where it's spread out where you're like, what happens to like global trade? And I'm like, I have no idea. Like what happens to the real estate market? I have no clue. <laughs> like, it's much bigger in the sense that, it's also going on longer. Like all of our infrastructure is still in place, but people are afraid of spreading something, uh, even worse, something mutating. And I think that basically there's just a low level anxiety and fear about, you know, are things ever going to go back to normal, quote unquote. Well, I mean, I've been telling everyone from the very beginning, um, 
there is no normal. There is whatever it is, like, <laughs> there is no normal. Going back to normal, going forward to normal, there's no going back. It's like a river. When you're in a river, you can, and you get out of the river, you never get back in that same piece of river that you were floating in. Um, so everything is just going to be, you know, how are we maintaining ourselves now? And then how are we going to maintain ourselves in the future? And being prepared for, you know, how much do we want to detour? You know, like I know people that are working full-time as massage therapists right now. And, you know, they're, they're taking care of them. They're taking care of their clients. And, you know, I, I kind of wish that I was up in Washington State taking care of everyone. But until they have concrete things, until they have things that are, you know, set up like this is what you're supposed to do. This is how you're supposed to do it. And I mean, the, the Department of Health, their suggestion was that people have to be in acute pain and have to have a doctor's note stating that they need a massage during the pandemic. I can guarantee you that all these people that are getting massages at chiropractors in Washington State, um, they might get that from the chiropractor, which is why they're still operating. But yeah. so many other massage therapists aren't getting that doctor's note. You know, someone says they're in acute yeah. pain. Yeah. I mean, there's been, oh man, the political infighting about PTs or chiropractors working and how did they get to do that? It's like, listen, chiropractors supersede our license. There are reasons that chiropractors are on state massage boards because they're keeping massage therapists under their thumb. There's a reason why the state law says that we can't do very specific things that chiropractors do that stated purposefully in the law. And it's because chiropractors are protecting their turf legally. They make more money and they have better legal representation. It's, you were talking about protecting our turf. It's kind of funny. I think that massage therapists are protecting their turf when it comes to teaching other people how to do massage as well, which is something we've talked about before. Yeah. 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 I, the because thing is, my, go ahead. Oh, no, go for it. Well, the thing is, we've had, I've seen these conversations online, and all of a sudden, it's like, one, I'd been teaching online for a while, so I'm a little more aware of the legal landscape than the average therapist or maybe even educator in our industry. And then, the, the, okay, so the therapist's clients dry up. Uh, Sean Kitzman was teaching a little class to show people how to teach online. And when I say teach, like, he's showing them how to, I guess, use a tennis ball, work on themselves, gate of, I mean, whatever it is, you know. But it's, it's all distant. It's just like you and I talking like we are here. And people are like, well, does my scope of practice as a massage therapist allow me to do this? And I'm like, you're not doing massage. You're not operating as a massage therapist. I'm not massaging you. Like, this has very little, if any, liability. And it's like, even though the people know you're a massage therapist, I don't think legally they could, like, come after you if they injured themselves on a tennis ball because they were working on themselves. But there are massage well, therapists who are, who are scaring therapists away from doing this because they're afraid that they're going to lose their license, that their insurance isn't going to cover them. You know, that there's all this liability about teaching online. And I don't think that's the case at all. Not legally, not, not really. Yeah. I know from the very beginning, cause I got a mentor early on in my career. Um, his one advice was liability waivers, liability waivers, liability waivers. Literally, um, he's like, if you want to do crossover stretches, if you want to do drapeless massage, if you want to do, you know, not like the most strategic draping, if you like, basically, if you want to do massage, 
you need to have a liability waiver and you also need to have an intake form that goes into the things that you're working with. You know, you don't, if you have on your intake form that there might be aromatherapy in your session and somebody comes in and they have an allergic reaction because you used camphor on your last client, that's what the liability form for. That's why we have intake forms. That's why we have collected information from our clients so that we're not doing something that's going to mess them up. And if you're doing an online virtual session and you're not teaching your client how to check in with their own body, that's a problem. If you're, if you're working with somebody with a tennis ball and they injure themselves, it's because they didn't check in with their body and maybe you didn't teach them how to check in with their body, but do a liability form. Freaking slap this, this, on there. This is being a massage therapist and this is doing stuff online. This is not even remotely within this scope. Like, I, listen, I've had a lawyer and my lawyer charges $300 an hour. And I'm like, I want to do this. And he's like, you can't do that. It's illegal, but you could do this. And I go, I want to do this. And he's like, you can't do that. It's illegal, but you could do this. And I go online and he goes online, online. He's like, don't teach them to break the law. Don't coach them to break the law. Don't encourage them to break the law. You can teach online up to a global audience with almost zero liability. And I went, oh, shit. Oh, shit. I think we found it. I think we found it because I feel hemmed in on every front as an educator. It's like, you know, how do you travel and teach? How do you, it's like more red tape. Um, I, I just renewed my license in Louisiana. I had to pay a fee in the middle of the pandemic to maintain a license that allows me to go into Louisiana state borders and teach. Now I can teach online and Louisiana will even accept those credits because I'm nationally certified. But if I go within Louisiana state borders, got to pay the fee, got to pay the gatekeeper. It's one of the reasons that I think most therapists don't understand why I'm against massage regulation because they make it so difficult to remain competitive because I have to maintain 50 sets of rules just in the United States. I don't know, you know, what the rules are in like Oklahoma right now, which is the state above me. I don't know. Like, the therapists think I should know that because, well, you're a teacher. And I'm like, dude, there's 50 sets of laws just in the United States. Like, I just talked to a guy in Minnesota, no state massage law. If I talk to somebody in Vermont, no state massage law. And then when somebody contacts me online from Mauritius, I don't know what the massage law is in Mauritius. I don't give a shit. <laughs> it's like, I teach online. Nobody's going to sue me for Mauritius. Not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, I know personally, I've been doing online massage uh, courses with clients, and it is phenomenal the things that you can do over just 30 minutes with someone. I mean, yeah. checking in with their body, checking in with, you know, doing, you know, what what's going on with their body, even just feeling their neck and feeling their vertebrae and going up their vertebrae one at a time. People have never done this. We should not be sitting and using massage as it's massage therapist only. We're not allowed to share this with anybody else. Touch is a no, basic. See, but the thing is, right. you and I, you and I may feel that way. Most massage therapists are not on that at all. There's a trade secret. We have to, no, we're, we are the licensed people who have been granted this knowledge. We have to maintain this in secrecy. Well, and there's certain techniques that um, you're not going to share with somebody, uh, that is working on somebody else until they're ready for it. Just like in a class, right? You don't yep. sit and say, okay, you're going to put a knee in this place right here um, until you've taught them, okay, how do you make sure you're not doing too much pressure? How do you make sure that you're in the right position? 
you know, what bony landmark are we trying to avoid? You don't put bone to bone, you know, there's all these things. And so if you're going to educate online, if you're going to educate on person, being a good educator means that you're going to take care of people. Um, but education for massage therapists shouldn't just be for massage therapists. And I might get haters, whatever else on this, but I'm serious. We need to help people take care of each other. If we have another pandemic, if we have anything like that, it's not going to replace massage therapists by teaching someone how to, you know, fix sciatica. Exactly. exactly. The, the thing is, I always compare it to the mechanic. I always think, you know, I'm, I say this all the time. Um, mechanics run in two camps. You're afraid the mechanics are going to take advantage of you. And then you have the family friend mechanic, the, the, the honest mechanic, right? So the, yeah. the honest mechanic, I'm always like, listen, get online, teach some classes, run a Facebook ad, you know, and I'm like, okay, who's particularly afraid of doing mechanic work? Women. Women aren't trained in it necessarily. They're not being taught it. They're intimidated. So you're a mechanic. You're the honest mechanic. You're going to have a class and that class is going to be for women and it's going to teach them automotive basics and maintenance on their car, how to change the oil, how to change a tire. It's not going to look down on them. It's going to show them, listen, this is what you're looking for. And if you're having a problem with the car and need to bring it to a mechanic, these are the things you want to check first. What it does is it builds rapport with this audience. But here's what happens. I know how to change the oil on my car. And I don't remember the last time I changed the oil because I just bring it to the mechanic. Massage therapists, you know, have not been doing this. I have for, you know, 10 years. But the thing is, massage therapists act like, well, well, no, they just come to us for the massage. And I go, yeah, and they're still going to come to us for the massage. But if you show them how to work on themselves, it builds trust, rapport, and actually teaches the public what we do, which, massage therapists, if you're listening to this, separates us from prostitutes. The reason people think we're still part of the sex trade is because they're not getting any education from massage therapists. Well, and our whole goal in life, like, yeah, it's to make people feel better, but it's really to help their health. And by teaching people how to help their own health, we're not talking about giving them nutritional supplements. Unless you're qualified for that, you can, yeah. you can go ahead and do that. We're not talking about, you know, like, um, you know, telling them, oh, you have cancer, you need to do this. I'm not talking about that. We're not talking about things that are outside of our knowledge bases. If you can share knowledge, share knowledge. If you can teach a son how to massage their, their mother, teach a, a son how to, and you can do that over video call. You can do yeah. that over the phone. You can sit and, and, and then what's I really, really loved is I had a boyfriend and girlfriend on the other day and the communication that happened, um, you know, the boyfriend was like, oh, I need you a little bit higher. And at the beginning, I had gone over communication like I would in a session, like, okay, if something isn't in the right spot, let me know. If something is too hard or too light, you let them know. And to hear the transformation of their communication with each other about their own bodies transform over an hour session, it's wonderful. If we can have that kind of communication with uh, our family members, with people in general, we're not going to see as many problems as we're seeing with boundaries being like just run the fuck over. Yeah. I've run Time Massage Jam in Austin for eight years. Time Massage Jam for seven of those years was every Thursday night. Massage therapists, in some cases, don't even want to come to it because they go, well, do I get CE credit? 
And it's like, I don't understand. What is this? I'm like, it's a community bodywork event. And they're like, what the hell is that? And I'm like, we created it. It is an event for the public. Is it for massage therapists? Are massage therapists part of the public? Anyone can come, anyone can learn, anyone can share, and I supervise. If they have a problem, I work on them. If they need to know what a muscle anatomy origin insertion, I take out my phone, I educate, I share. It's a closed, mat-based community bodywork event. Well, so I love you dearly, but, and you, you said something about how you created it. In Hawaii, they've been doing this for, I mean, no, no shitting you, hundreds of years. Literally, they have a, a day or they have like, um, it's called round table in some places, um, yeah. but a round table where they have somebody that has a problem and then the main healer teaches how to fix that problem on that person. But even above that, on Thursday nights down in Honolulu, there is a hospital that a bunch of healers go to and they massage the public and they teach the public how to massage each other. Like it's, massage was not the, the sacred secret, you know, um, grandparents were doing it on their grandbabies to make their heads round. You know, the, there was so much touch in that culture, which is part of the reason that I love that culture so much and that I've spent so much time on um, the island. But, you know, sharing body work like you're doing is phenomenal. And that's the way that we should be doing it is we shouldn't be sitting and saying, oh, I'm the only one that can fix this and you need to come and pay me so I can fix this. You know, if we're generous with our, our knowledge, if we're generous with our time, we will be taken care of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and when I say I created it, what I mean is it didn't exist in Central Texas culture. Like I don't, I mean, this stuff, something like that, or in Thailand, has been going on since forever. But I'm a weird white guy in Central Texas teaching Thai massage, so I just go, okay, this is completely unavailable in the marketplace. I literally, like, I would teach a class, and the students are like, oh, you know, aren't you afraid of competition? I'm like, there's 1.6 million people in the Greater Austin area. of which have no idea what time massage is or who I am. Like there is no competition. There's not even, I'm like name one facility and they're like, Zenwell. I'm like, yeah, okay. So there's one facility in all of Austin to serve 1.6 million people. Come on guys. Like the marketplace isn't even remotely, you know, saturated, not even remotely. Well, uh, I'm talking about saturation. There's a lot of times where, you know, you see people saying, oh, well, there are, are there a lot of massage therapists in an area? If you're really good, you're going to get clients. If you're really not good, keep on practicing. Keep on working with people that are good. Ask your favorite massage therapist, who do you go to for massage? Yeah. Who has been your favorite massage ever? You can get better no matter what. Constantly going to somebody new and trying new things and understanding every town I go to I get a massage every single town and you know what sometimes I regret it because I end up at like an Asian joint and they hurt a shoulder sometimes I really love it because I end up in an Asian joint and they do things I've never felt before yeah so the like I see therapists and this is just me as an educator like when I went to Washington State we did a private training you and I and then it is, I mean, it's so remarkable, like local therapists do not come and like get sessions with me. They live here. Now, if I move, they'll be like, oh, I can't go to the time size jam. And I'm like, you've never been to the time size jam. I did it for eight years. And it's like, oh, like Texans don't really respect it unless it's from L.A. 
or at least Austinites don't. Yeah. Well, I, I'm and being in the Washington state culture, honestly, I think massage is very, very um, alive and well, and there's amazing educators in my area and it's respected and so many people understand, but even in Washington state, I run into people all the time that have had, never had a massage, but they don't think of it as, as anything more than a flute, a fluff, you know, yeah. like, if we're not willing to educate more and more people that we already have coming to see us to work on like and to work within their family and I'm not sitting and saying that I'm going to train someone who's not licensed to go and work on somebody that you know isn't in their family like no I'll I'll keep we'll keep it in the family we'll keep it according to the laws because in Washington state you're not allowed to work on someone who's not in your family if you're not licensed that's no problem but do you imagine the kind of impact we can have on the world Mm. No, we avoid social media. We avoid technology. We avoid video distribution. You can't learn online. I've, I hear all this regularly. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, man. Yeah. And I was teaching so online pre-pandemic, pre mind you. Like, I'm ornery, but I was teaching online pre-pandemic. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, we can teach online. I'm like, yeah. Let y'all just figure this out? Like, well, I mean, I, granted, I feel like I'm eating online education because of the quality of what we're offering at our price point, and I continue to make it better. But the thing is, is like the therapists have been sold a sort of false bill of goods when it comes to education. They're looking at it in very closed parameters. So, for instance, like when I go to Washington State, lead a class, people are like, man, I wish we had a time and size jam here. And I go, yeah, the Austin therapist barely even attended. And they're like, what? Like, they can't, they can't believe it. And I'm like, just different, different attitudes. Speaking from a Washington State massage therapist, I go to a massage party and it maybe they're held maybe once a quarter, maybe once a year kind of thing. And it's a massage party, a bunch of massage therapists get together, you bring food, you bring whatever. And then, you know, you say, oh, my shoulder hurts. And somebody comes and works on your shoulder. Or maybe we'll have a guest of like Sarga body work and she'll sit and do, you know, Sarga right in front of us. And we're like, oh my God, this is so cool. And then we break up into pairs and we give massages. Yeah. These things, um, this is put together by one person who has really good clout and there's maybe 10 to 20 people. And that's hard to get together. Like there has to be so many emails and it has to be curated because people can't, don't, I mean, there, we should be a community. We should be working on each other. Like not only should, you know, I'm, I'm not particularly a fan of trades because I'd rather just go and pay for my massage. Um, yeah. I will trade once with anybody, no matter what. Um, and then if they want to keep on, you know, working with me, then we can work that out. But we should be t leaning on one another and learning together because if you learn here and I learn here, we're only here. If you learn here and I learn here, we're way farther ahead. So getting together as a community you know, like-minded individuals. I don't care if all the mother hens to get together. I don't care if all the, but you know, really forming community. Of course, the in like, the pandemic. The, the like-minded community. I've found more of the like-minded community online than I have in just my local geographic, you know, area. Like I'm, I'm building an online portal for education where the therapists are asking me questions. I'm answering their questions in video. We're doing interactive live classes with multi-camera to be able to work with them, get them to trade with a partner so they can feel it. 
like I'm doing better in some senses online than I am just within my local area because, well, classes in, in person are expensive. They're time consuming. It costs more money. Like distributing it online, I, I don't have to go anywhere. There is no airport baggage fee. Well, you don't have to find a place to do it. You don't have to advertise it um, whenever it comes to like a specific date. You don't have yeah. to, you know, fly out there. You don't have to pay for an Airbnb. You don't. Yeah. And the students, the students never think about it because usually you're coming to their area uh, and it changes sometimes. Sometimes people will travel to me, but mostly you're traveling to their area. So they don't think about the flight. They don't think about the Airbnb. Like when I had places rented for this season, like all those deposits are gone. Those are non-refundable. Like those yeah. deposits, I don't ask for those back. Like that money just vanished because I wrote on a piece of paper, hey, here's the $250 you need for the deposit to hold the space. Yeah. Um, I know the World Massage Festival, uh, where a bunch of massage therapists get together. I got to go last year, and that was awesome. Getting all my CEs in one little spot and, you know, just paying for all that and getting it done. That was freaking phenomenal. Um, I know a lot of people that can't afford that kind of outlay, though. They can't afford the airfare plus staying at the hotel or someone nearby plus the, the $300 yeah. for it. Um, and they've made it exceedingly affordable to get all of your continuing education credits. You get a whole week of CE for, I think it's like three or $400. Yeah. I mean, and that's exceedingly affordable. And there's so many people that are feeling like they don't have money, especially right now. Like we're not, none of us are working. None of us have money right now. Um, so how is it that we're going to, you know, continue learning? You know, how are we going to be reaching out? How are we going to be doing this? And when the fuck are we going to get to go back? Good questions. Well, I mean, the, my subscription service is free for their first month and $7 a month after that. The people who are subscribed are like, Robert, I don't understand. And I'm like, you don't understand what? And they're like, how the hell do you keep giving us free stuff? And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, you're paying seven bucks. And they're like, yeah, but we're only paying seven bucks. We're not paying for a $400 class. And I'm like, it's $7 a month times however many subscribers I have. Like you're providing a base of income that allows me to keep producing stuff online. Like I can package stuff and sell it in various ways, but like it doesn't really cost me a lot to just gift subscribers another six hour CE class when that thing is ready. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Like you're learning online. Like it is limited. You know, it's not perfect. I would much rather be able to work with you in person like I did when I was in Washington, but finances, time, geography, you know, are limitations. Pandemic. And currently right now, can't teach a person at all. Like all my classes just got wiped out. So what do you do? It's like, I turn on the camera and go, come on, let's get to work. And they're like, oh, <laughs> but it's not in person. And I'm like, yes, that is correct. I can't do anything about a virus. Yeah. No, there's so much that you, we can't do about. And that's a, what's a really funny thing is there's so many people I've been seeing that think that they can control from my personal experience. The idea of control is just that an idea, you know, every single day that we walk outside, there's like hundreds of millions of things that could end our life in an instant. And so being afraid of a virus makes sense because it's a new thing. It's a virus. And the, but they're like, how many people, when they're giving a massage, are worried about the client they having having MRSA? 
how many, you know, these, these massive, terrible infections that are, go around hospitals, that go around gyms, that go around families, that go around all this. Like my brother, I think it was like five years ago. Um, I, we don't even know how he got it because he's never been to a hospital. He's never done anything. But he had horrible MRSA all on his entire arm. Like just absolutely horrible. I mean, it was, it was oozing out. Ugh. And, and we don't think about that whenever we're doing a massage. Quite frequently, we're just like, you know, we go through our intake forms and we're like, okay, cool, clean bill of health. And then we start working on the client and they're like, oh yeah, by the way, I got a surgery on my left, you know, hip two years ago and it still doesn't have full range of motion. And we're like on the intake form looking at it like, um, there's no hip surgery here. Yeah. Oh, it's a weird time. I hope everything very quickly starts to go back to normal and that COVID and coronavirus becomes a thing of the past, mostly, you know, uh, isn't, isn't much more harmful than, say, the flu, which continues to, you know, um, genetically modify itself and mutate to the point where it's like, you can get a flu shot, but people still get the flu. And coronavirus is likely going to be in somewhat that same category. It's just... I understand being concerned because it is novel and it is highly communicable, especially at this stage. So I don't know. I keep teaching online and keep developing online curriculum. I've worked almost as much, if not more during this, but the third of my business that was still there was online. So I just pushed all in on it and just kept developing stuff. Uh, uh, the therapists um, who are subscribed, I can tell because of my, this is my closest knit community they're overwhelmed. You know, sometimes they want to study and look at stuff. Sometimes mm -hmm. they don't. And what I do is I work, I drink, I cook, I take naps. And I don't worry about the fact that I wake up at noon because there's no client to see and it doesn't matter. I can stay up till four o'clock in the morning working. So I just try to go on my own biorhythms and continue doing stuff. I did kind of talk to the subscribers and go, guys, why aren't you working on email lists? Why aren't you building social media channels? And the thing is, I think it's a good idea to maybe encourage them to do those things. But I think there's a, a sort of abject sense of hopelessness when everything just gets wiped out. And I can't fault them for feeling that way. And the other thing is, for better or worse, I felt it before during Hurricane Katrina. And what I didn't like was feeling helpless. The first thing I did was I, I gave away a $70 like CE class, six hours, totally free. No, no baggage, just like here, it's free. 700 people signed up for that. When I did the math, it was like $49,000 worth of free CE credit I gave away. But here's what it did. It gave me time to do clerical and focus on stuff that I could control as opposed to just floating around in hopelessness. Well, and floating around in hopelessness, there's a certain amount of that. Yeah, I, not just a certain amount. I mean, I was talking to a massage therapist the other day and she was like, so how are you doing? I was like, well, I went through the depression, I went through the anger, I went through the having a good day, I went back to the depression, back through the anger, um, you know, and we're all going to be in that cycle. There's not a single one of us, you know, if you see us on Facebook, it's probably a good fucking day, man. You know, if you see it, like, some, I, I've seen some people that are being very vulnerable online, and, you know, it's true that this is not just one person being vulnerable, this is millions and, like, this is billions of people that are being vulnerable in this time period because our basic safety that we believe in on a regular basis is not there. So 
you know, like we're all doing that circle. We're all going into the sadness. We're all taking naps more than we should or more than we have, not should, but more than we have. We're all, you know, not working whenever we should normally see clients. And I miss my clients so much. The other day I had a client email me saying, please, can we break the rules? And I'm like, look, tell me what's <laughs> going on. I was like, look, tell me what's going on with your body. And what I'll do is I will uh, talk to a chiropractor in your area and see if you qualify for getting in for an acute thing. And they didn't respond. So, you know, our clients, they, they, they miss us. They want our hands on their body. They want us to be, you know, we're helping them. They want us to help them with stress. And if we're not able to do that in person, then do it online. If you're not able to do it online, give them a phone call and just say hi. Checking in with your clients is how you're going to retain them. If you just shut down completely, then they're not, you know, and then whenever everything finally comes back open, mm -hmm. they might come back to you. But if you check in with them and like one of my, um, one of my hummingbirds, she's calling one to two clients a day. That's it. She's not doing, you know, 15, she's not doing 30, she's not doing an hour of it, she's doing one or two a day, and she just goes through all of her clients, and she calls them, if she gets a message, she says, hey, I was thinking about you, I hope your body's doing well, you know, um, if you want to talk, call me back. That's how we're going to retain our people, is by giving them communication, we are all starved for communication, when someone texts you right now, and they say, how are you doing, you feel good, that's what we should be doing for our clients making them feel good, even though the shit has hit the fan. I'm a big fan of building infrastructure in her downtime. And that was really all I was saying to students. I don't fault them for not doing anything and just drinking a lot and grilling or whatever it is. I don't fault them for that. Hey, Mr. Darcy. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> um, I don't uh, fault them for doing that. It's just everybody's going to have a slightly different response. I'm always a fan of trying to take advantage of the situation, like while we're in it, meaning, okay, you can't do a lot of work in person. So can you build a social media channel? Can you build a YouTube channel? Can you do a few things to supplement, work on email templates, you know, whatever that is. Um, but I mean, that's just me. And I guess I cope, you know, via work, like my work is therapeutic to me in itself. Yeah. Well, and there, there's so, so much to be said for not being able to do anything because of your mental state. Um, and there's some people that don't like to reach out. You know, my mom personally, if somebody calls her, she gets an anxiety attack. That's yeah. just why she's, you know, she's not her own business lady. Right. Um, so we all, we need to focus on what we are good at and we need to like sit and really examine that. If you're having a bad day, come up with a couple of things that you know that you're good at. You know, if you know that you're really, really good at sending an email, then maybe just write a couple of prompts for an email and share it with a couple of friends. If you know that you're really, really good at doing a hand massage, you know, um, just figure out what it is that you're good at and kind of focus on that even for a few minutes. And then, keep in contact with your clients somehow, somehow, just, even if it's just once a week, that's all I'm doing. Once a week, I send out an email. Yeah. Just saying, hey, um, I really miss you guys, or hey, this is what the Department of Health just sent out, or hey, this is what's going on, you know, just once, once a week. It doesn't have to be a whole lot, 
but they'll be thinking of you. And I have seen story after story of clients that are giving their massage therapist like a thousand dollar check to help out with rent or, you know, and it's, it's because those therapists are communicating with their clients. If nobody knows you have a problem, nobody can reach out to help you. Yeah. If you're sad and depressed and you don't either post it or call someone or let them know or text or anything like that, if we don't know, we can't help. And there's so many of us in the industry that are such wonderful, caring, kind people that want to help. What are you looking at for online education? You'd had some conversations with me about sort of pushing into that more. Um, I was interested in like talking with you about that to explore, you know, the potential for online stuff because I think, I don't remember how long ago it was that I was in Washington state when we had the longer, you know, conversation, but like, what are you looking at in regards to that? Well, what I'm looking at um, when it comes to online education is really, um, I mean, that's such a, you've done it for a long time. It's such a big bugaboo. It's such an interesting thing to try and like break into and to figure out um, how it is, what you're going to share, how you're going to share it, um, how it's going to be taken. Yeah. I mean, when, when you post anything, you have to understand that there's going to be people that appreciate it and there's going to be people that hate it and being prepared yeah. for that. Um, you know, I, like I said, my mentor very at the very beginning, he does not do a whole lot of public things because he understands that as soon as you go public, you know, you're going to get the good, the bad and the ugly. Um, what I'm looking at is I really like one-on-one -on -one trainings with people. And when I say one-on-one, yeah. -on -one, it might be one-on-two, one-on-three. Um, I like working with individuals over a phone call. I'm interested in doing the recording it and actually being able to share it with them afterwards so that there's more retention. Yeah. Um, so I, I believe that Zoom has that capability where you just, you know, record it and you can send it afterwards. Yeah. Um, I, I think that for me personally, I like the one-on-one -on -one where I can address everything that's going on with that specific person more than just I'm going to do a video and then send it to like a million people or a million people need to buy it. Uh, I know okay. that that limits me to how much money I can make. Um, no, we can, we can discuss that though. I think there are some, there might be a hole or two in your thinking in regards to that, but we can discuss it. Yeah. Cause you liked it. I think what it is, what I'm hearing is you like the one-on-one -on -one. you like deeply connecting with a single individual as opposed to being distracted by a hundred people. And I'm okay with a couple of individuals. I mean, for me, okay. I, I've led a couple of classes. Um, I, and I've led up to 10 people at a time, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, but it's not, I do, I really, really like the connection piece. For me personally, that connection piece um, is not going to be as life-changing as like getting it out to a million people. So when you say it's not going to be as life-changing, you mean it's only going to impact that one person? Yeah, it's going to okay. impact that one person and maybe that whoever that one person impacts, right? So the yeah. more people that we impact, the more it, it spreads. But if you're doing okay. it one-on-one, -on -one, it's not going to spread as quick. So whenever I was getting ready to go to Washington State, how did you first find me? Oh, man. I mean, I'm, I'm in like 469 groups. Over 200 of them are massage therapist groups. Yeah. Uh, I... When uh, I was talking to Camilla Hunter, who has two amazing books um, uh, regarding the massage industry, 
And she was like, look, if you're on Facebook all the time, use it. Use Facebook for what's intended. Use the groups, use connecting with your peers, use connecting and use that for your business. If you're on Snapchat all the time, use that for your business. Whatever social media platform you use already, use that one because you're going to be good at it. Yeah. Um, so me personally, I'm on, I mean, I cannot, I actually don't know how many groups, it might be 600 by now. Um, so you and I likely a, saw some of my videos. I either, I saw some of your videos or from Rebecca. Um, yeah, as I've said before, every single time I, oh no, I found you from Rachel Scott. Rachel okay. Scott does. And, and here's um, the thing, Ra Rachel is a subscriber and this is what I want to point out in, that's organic, okay? Because we're in an industry that's very hands-on. But the way that you knew about me was through basically a digital connection. Yeah. Because I've never, I've never met Rachel Scott in person. It's only been online. And what happens is, like, when you're doing these private trainings online, here's my suspicion for how I think things should go. One, you should not only teach online, but keep copies of the recordings. You can use those recordings in a multitude of ways, and we can discuss that. But let's say you take a clip of the recording that's five minutes that was really good information that other people could benefit from, and you put it on YouTube and you put it on Facebook, and you link it on Twitter, and you put it on Instagram. Now, that five-minute clip is just an advert for what you do, and the more you saturate all social media platforms with that, the more people who can see you, the more people who can benefit, the more people who can learn. You can eventually take that, those materials and package them in some way where you're still working in very small groups online. It's still very focused but you can sell in some form this content. And here's, here's what happens. And I've, I've gone through this process because of my subscription service. <sighs> you can sell this at a high price point because this is exclusive, right? I mean, it depends on what this is. Yeah. So if you're working with two people online, you're paying attention to them specifically. Mm -hmm. But if you're taking this recording and selling it in some form, this is dealing with mass distribution. This is an information product. An information product is not a massage and it's not a coaching session. That's a very different thing. It's like if you were a blues musician in the age of the, the you know, like in, in Mississippi, you know, at the time that like Alan Lomax was going around with his recording equipment, the first blues musicians are coming out on vinyl like they only made money at the juke joint playing. And then all of a sudden these music companies started taking advantage because they could take the recording and they could mass produce recordings and send it out and make millions of dollars. Right. While only yeah. playing the musician a thousand dollars one time. Now the musicians felt like this was a lot of money, but they didn't understand the change in information technology and distribution. The same thing happens when you're talking about teaching online. It's, I wouldn't want you, in other words, if you supplement doing this, awesome. But I want you to start thinking about repackaging that material in some way and at least using it as advertisement across social media platforms, if not packaging it in some form to like sell it later. So whenever you're doing stuff like that, are you getting a video release form from your clients at the very beginning? 
typically what you'll do is you'll get an AV waiver. When you, when you want to find an AV waiver, one, you can email me. I'll send you a copy of mine. Um, I just downloaded mine off of Google. And all it says is what's your name, what's your phone number, what's your email address. Do I have permission to reuse this video in whatever form? And they go, yep. And that's it. So yeah. if you make clips, let's say for social media, like if I take a clip of this and it winds up on Instagram, my hope is that I tag you in that Instagram post because I want to show a connection between you and I. Does it make sense? Well, I mean, that's what social media is all about. It's not advertising to people you don't know. It's advertising to people you do know and then the people that they know and then so on and so forth. That's why it's social media. Yep. Mm-hmm. Because what happens is when people see this, maybe they don't know who I am at all, but they know you. They make all sorts of assumptions about me based on the fact that you're having a conversation with me. And that's how I win in a social media landscape is you, continue, you continually foster this digital networking. That's really what social media is to me. It's like I'm forming connections with people. When they comment on my YouTube videos, I comment back and say, listen, do you have any specific questions? Can I help you with anything? You know, I have funny exchanges with them online. Like, uh, did you, yeah, you saw my post on Instagram with the tortilla like the other day. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's like, it's not my normal fare, but it's like, it's, it's like throwing a curveball as a post, like it builds engagement. Instagram's algorithm picks up that more people engage with that post. They show it to more people, more people find me and they get a sense of like personal brand building. The people who are going to do this and pay you a hundred bucks, let's just make up a number. You can use all of this video to be able to blanket social media so that more of these people go, I want to do this. Yeah. Well, and, and like I said, it's not about keeping the information from people. It's about sharing the information with people. It's about, you know, really making any kind of change that we can fundamentally to as many people as we can in a positive way. I mean, I felt like I had, I had gifts to share and the deal was, okay, Austin doesn't want it. Austin doesn't much care. They don't care what time massage is. They don't care where it came from. Like you're only going to work on one person at a time if you're doing sessions. But when you teach classes, oh, there's like 10 people and you're influencing the therapist to do things slightly different in their sessions. And then you're influencing facilities to slightly change their marketing. And you're opening up the landscape to be able to help more people. The reason I opened up online is I don't feel any trade secrets. I've had other educators. They literally, they freak out. They're like, you're not giving them everything, are you? And I'm like, well, yeah, I just recorded my classes and upload them. And they're like, oh, my God, they're not going to come to your class if they're learning it online. And I'm like, really? You think so? No, of there's course they're going to come. You find out some, whenever you're hands-on with somebody, you find out so much more. The, and when you're one-on-one, you find out so much more. Then when you're one-on-ten, you find out so much more than whenever you're one-on-a-hundred and but then when you're online. I can't, I can't distribute me yeah. exponentially. I mean, but you know what I can distribute? Recordings of me exponentially. And that's so what nice. our industry and its marketing does not understand. And it's fine. They'll catch up later. They'll be mad at me for whatever reason because I took advantage of it. But the whole thing is I've got people who study with me for three years online. They are never going to unsubscribe. I give them so much value. They're, they're getting me more subscribers over time. 
it's growing, it's building. And the thing is, it's because the recordings scale. Body work does not scale easily. When you have those, did you have five staff people? Like mm -hmm. or people that work? Yeah. It's like, that's well, only not five staff, people. We work together. Yeah. Nah, you know what I mean. Whatever it is. Uh, you, well, I'm very clear that, were, that we work together because I was never their boss. We were all work together. It's very clear because like when you have somebody that is a leader, it's different than somebody who's a manager, but that's a whole nother segue. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't run a facility. Massage therapists in Austin will ask me to open a facility because they want me to give them a job. And I'm like, no, absolutely not. And they're like, oh, but we, you know, I, I want you to give me a job. I'm like, okay, give me 60%. And they're like, oh, it's like, what do you think this is? You got to pay the toll, bro. Like you're asking me to deal with the rent, the mortgage, the facility, the setup, the infrastructure, the cleaning, the air conditioning, work, the toilet overflows, the advertising. You want me to do all of that? Give me 60%. And that's the thing. Brick and mortar is not the business I enter. What I understood through the help of some colleagues and people, consultants basically that I work with was I was jumping and pivoting from an organic in-person industry to a digital online information economy. This is completely different than this. And here's the thing. If you can template what you're doing and make workbooks or DVDs or videos or online stuff or whatever, if you can sort of template what you're teaching, you're reaching a much larger sort of global audience. And you're also drawing a market for this to begin with. Does that make sense? Yeah, I need to finish on doing, I know I have probably about like 30 minutes of my world champion massage. Um, Cause I have a, a particular routine. And when I say routine, every single body that gets on that table gets a different massage and every single, and when I say a different body, you can come in a week later and you're a different body, you know, like it's every single time is different and it changes, but there's the certain basics that I usually do with everyone. So I've been compiling them and I was working with one of my hummingbirds and recording them, but we only got about 30 minutes into a one hour session. So I need to, I need to get that finished and just posted and shared and enjoyed. Um, for me, I see people that are live streaming um, whole hours of massages and I've never watched them. But somebody that posts a three to seven minute video, I'll give you the three to seven minutes. Um, so it's, it's also, um, and quite frequently, it's funny because there's certain things that I wouldn't buy, but you don't sell to yourself. You sell to your client. You sell to your customer. What is it that they're going to buy? What is it that they need? You're not doing it based on your needs. When you put out content across platforms, and this, this will get complex, uh, different platforms, different parameters. Will people sit down and watch? Okay, so like this podcast might be two hours. Are people going to sit down and watch this on Facebook? I don't, I thing? wouldn't. I wouldn't okay. watch the whole thing on Facebook. Would they watch the whole thing on YouTube? Oh, I do watch things that are longer on YouTube. Different platform. Would they listen to the whole thing in their car? Oh, yeah. Hell yeah, easily. Especially and, if they have And the thing is, like I had somebody tell me like, nope podcasts over an hour is ridiculous nobody's going to listen to that and i'm like fans will like you're like listen we can take this two hours and cut snippets out of it and re-release it to make it fit instagram stories to make it fit instagram tv in five minutes to make what it do you fit use you for your editing what am i using yeah oh i outsource that i don't i don't mm -hmm. do that myself at all 
Um, in fact, I'm doing so much tech-related stuff now. I started thinking about it last night about starting a cooking show um, on my my YouTube channel, and like boosting my stuff not only in body work but also in food and cooking, um, just to diversify. And I was like, huh, maybe I should get some editing software. But most of the stuff that I do is pretty raw. I just record, press a button. That's what I can do. I'm extemporaneously speak. No big deal. What I don't do is I don't spend a huge amount of time in post-production. If I do that, I tend to have other people take care of that for me. I tend to try to make enough money to hire people to do those things. I completely 150% agree with that. If you're not good at something, hire it. Don't sit and don't get your website put up because you don't know how to build a website. Hire it. Do a couple of massages that you're good at, trade massage for it, anything like that. If you're not good at taking your own pictures, Hire a photographer. If you're yep. not good at editing your own stuff, hire somebody. It's this I mean, is not pieces of it. Pieces of it you can learn, but if, especially if you don't like it, that's the part where I'm like, listen, guys, if you don't like it, if you really just hate it, outsource. If it's necessary and you need it, you need a website, you know, and you don't like it, you're not going to learn how to set up websites. You're not interested in learning how to set up websites. Hire someone. It's worth it. It's a hundred and like, it's always worth it. If you really, really, if it's a stumbling block for you and you're not moving forward because of this, hire it. It is worth it. I know that some people are like, well, I don't have the money. I don't have this. I don't have that. You have tools in order to make money. Now, if you don't feel like you have tools and that's a whole other, another conversation coming up with what your tools are and how you can be financially resilient and everything else like that. And we are all not financially resilient in the same way. But one way or another, if, it, if you have stumbling blocks, if you have something you don't like or you don't know how to do, either figure that shit out or hire somebody. And I recommend hiring. That's exactly it. Figure it out or hire someone. Like a lot of my time is spent these days reading FAQs and watching YouTube tutorials to try to figure out how to do stuff I don't know how to do with software. And I don't suspect that's going to change. And I have an option. I can go, okay, do I hate this? No, I don't hate it. It's just time consuming. Okay, so you've got a lot of time right now. Read FAQs, watch YouTube tutorials, and figure out, oh, okay, I can take care of this piece. So I just, um, YouTube, if you're not extremely familiar with YouTube, the editor inside YouTube, I was watching tutorials yesterday on a little bit more editing. So when I do have the video on YouTube, I can edit inside YouTube's platform with their video editor. Yeah. But... It takes time. You have to learn how to do it. Well, and what's so funny, earlier you were talking about working on your car and all that sort of stuff. All the things that I've ever done to my car, I have learned on YouTube. I learned how to change a tire on YouTube. I learned how to do, um, I learned how to cut the alarm on my car last year while I was in this hill town in Mexico because we lost the key. Like, <laughs> I have everything that comes from that. I mean, any of the lights on my car that I don't know what's going on. I don't go to the user manual. Well, A, I don't know where it is. I go to YouTube and I look <laughs> it up. You know, so there, there's so much knowledge of the world that is on these social media platforms that is readily available. And let's say that you are having a bad day today. You know, put on a five-minute uh, TED Talk or put on a five-minute YouTube thing and just learn a little bit of stuff. You know, it yeah. you don't, you can be laying in bed and learning something by just listening. Um, and I'm not saying that if you're not learning something, you're doing it bad. No, not at all. But I am saying that there is the availability that you can learn something even when you are feeling bad. There is the availability that 
you know, even though we're in the middle of the pandemic, you can be doing social media. You can be taking a video on your phone. You can, there's so much that we can be doing that being in yeah. utter helplessness um, isn't going to serve you the most in, in the long run. And like some people I've worked with, once they understand digital distribution, they go, oh my God, you have like global access. They want to produce viral videos. What they want to do is they want to make something once and scale it globally. In my experience, unless you have a huge ad budget, it does not work that way. Social media is social digital networking. You have to continually make videos, continue to interact with the audience, continue to communicate with the people, continue to give them value. What I see is you get up every day and you build a hotel by laying bricks and you do that for three years. And then when the hotel is finished, you rent out a room and the same people that wouldn't help you build the hotel are like, oh, I want passive income. And I'm like, ooh, you think it's passive? I just laid bricks for three years, four o'clock in the morning and on the weekends. Like it's not passive. There's nothing passive. Like it was work. I'm like, okay, uh, do you want to be on my podcast? Well, how much do I get paid? I'm like, nothing. How much do I get paid from my podcast? Nothing. <laughs> Why do I do it? Because I hope that one more fan or one more follower becomes a client or a student and then slowly gets drawn more into that funnel of value it's like it's a long-term proposition business building it's not for the weak of heart if you just want a paycheck to figure out how much money you're going to make per hour entrepreneurship is not for you go find a job somewhere working for somebody else well, and find a, a good paying job don't settle for anything bad find somebody that i mean i know massage therapists that are owners that pay 50 dollars an hour up in the seattle area you know, I know people that pay good. There are good paying massage jobs out there where you're not an entrepreneur. They're there. You have to be good and you have to find it. You can't just be like, oh, you know, I'm stuck in this certain area. Now, the other thing is, is if you're out in the middle of nowhere, you know, you have, it, it depends on where you live, cost of living. There's so many different yep. things that go into all that. Um, but you were talking about passive income. Uh, creating passive income, it isn't, it's not just a one and done thing. You have to, the, I have, a small revenue stream that I get from my subscription service for my client. And the way that I built it is, you know, I sold them packages. I sold them $180 for 180 minutes. And that's how I built my business because I needed money fast. I needed to be able to pay my bills and I couldn't just come out the gate swinging at my hundred dollars an hour than I am now. And so I did packages, did packages. Well then once I got people hooked on the packages, I opened up a subscription it's $67 an hour, but you pay $20 a month to get that $67 an hour. So instead of them having to come up with a whole 180 at one time and me having to like budget it and make sure that it lasts and all that sort of stuff, they pay me 20 bucks a month. During this pandemic, I've had two people cancel. That's it. And I'm still making $20 per, per client, even though they can't come in to get a massage because they know that I'm going to be back. And they also know that the only way that I'm going to be able to come back <laughs> is if I have money coming in and then I can pay for things, you know? Yeah. And your, your clients want to support you. The whole reason they're your clients is because they want to support you. Mm -hmm. um, being transparent right and being transparent in video. You know, I had a client, um, this is one that long ago, they wrote me a, a check or whatever for whatever fee. 
and they didn't tip and they were like, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm not tipping. And I'm like, this check pays my mortgage. Like come get another session in a month or two weeks or whatever. Like I don't live on tips. Like this is mortgage. Thank you for allowing me to have electricity in my house. <laughs> well, don't get me started. I mean, I, I love my people that tip, right? I love tips. I can get 40, you know, I usually get between 20 and I mean, most of my tips are usually around 40 bucks, but you know, they, there's a range. I love my tipping. But when somebody come, like uh, one of my therapists the other day is like, how do you get people to tip so well? And I'm like, at the end of the session, I was like, would you like to add a tip on that? Every single person, all I do is ask. And there's some people that say no, not very many. There's some people that give me five bucks, not very many. But if somebody says no, I don't have an attitude about them saying no, because I, it, it's like asking for a, a cookie. If you ask for a cookie and somebody says no, then you're like, okay, I didn't get the cookie. But this is about yeah. how to take a no. This is a basic fundamental of communication for humans is how do you ask for what you want and how do you, do you take a, an acceptance or how do you take a rejection? Because taking a no, asking a question is not supposed to be doing harm. If you ask for a raise from your boss, you're not sitting and saying, I'm an asshole. You're saying, hey, I would like this. If your boss says no, then you're like, okay, thanks. If your boss says yes, you're like, fuck yeah, I'm so glad I asked. They're, so often people are scared to ask for help or they're scared to ask for something they need. We should not be afraid of no's. There has been times where I, I mean, I travel all over the world regularly and there's been times where I've gotten to do things that everyone who was around me was like, there's no way you're gonna be able to do that. And I asked the question, hey, can I do this? And I'm the only one out of a group of 20 people that get to do something because I'm the only one who asked. And that's not taking advantage of something, that's asking. And if a client says no, then you respect that. If a client says yes, you respect that. You don't treat them bad. I have had a, somebody that worked with me who every time someone did, t didn't tip, he got mad and he didn't want to see that client anymore. And I was like, are you not making enough money? What is going on that you have this attitude? Do you need like, and he was making $70 an hour. <laughs> you know, like you know, what's, what is going on that we have this resentment towards people that don't tip? What is going on? Like, if you're not making enough money, charge more. If you can't charge more, I've got, figure yeah. out what you're going to do. And the thing is, you got to work at the business. Like there's so many layers to the social media, to the in-person networking, online instruction, networking with people, finding new clients, maintaining connections and relationships, networking, uh, finding new networks to, to mine. I mean, half of it is who you know, and then the sorts of impressions <clears throat> that you form both in person and online. A lot of therapists, in my experience, they, they might have good body work. Their, their massage might be top-notch, but if their business isn't on point, that's what holds the most of the therapists I know back. If they don't want to work on the business side, they're like, no, I just want to do the art. And I'm like, okay, there are lots of starving artists in lots of industries. Business. Like, you're a restaurateur. You're a good chef. Being a good chef is not being a good business person. 
there's a reason why chefs often have somebody who handles the books and somebody who's like financially backing because they're doing the business side. They're doing the art because they know this isn't necessarily their high point. Very rarely do I find both. Well, I was talking to um, my boyfriend the other day and another lady who worked, her career is in business management for restaurants and boyfriend wants to open up a salad place down here in Cabo. And I think that's all great and dandy, but I haven't, built a salad business. I haven't built a restaurant business. I know massage. I know how to do my massage business. I know how to duplicate what I've already done. I know how to share what I've already done, but I have no idea about a salad. And so I'm talking to her and she's a neighbor, you know, two floors up and two buildings over. And I'm like, oh my God, that like you have the information I need for this. I'm not sitting and thinking that I'm going to do this business by myself. I'm not sitting and thinking, oh, I'm going to start start from this and I'm going to grow all this. I'm thinking, okay, who can I find? Who can I connect? But we don't all have the same personalities. We're not all connectors. I highly recommend people. I don't, have you ever heard of Strength Finder 2.0? Mm. Okay. Um, I, you've, I'm sure you've taken multiple personality tests to figure out, you know, what you're good at, what you're not good at. Um, Strength Finder is from Gallup. And there are 64 characteristics, and we all have five main ones. It's not that we don't have the rest. It's that we have the five main ones. And it talks about how to work with your own and how to work with people that are complementary to it. And it's not just working with people. It's relationships with people. It's, you know, and the way to build something massive, the way to build something that's successful is having your five, having someone with a complimentary five, having another person with a complimentary five, and working together. It's not all about you have to have the five that are going to make this pop. That's not the point of finding complimentary people. If you're somebody that's super shy, if you find an extrovert that can do all this marketing for you, work with them. If you, have, if you find somebody who, you know, does a really great massage that you really want to learn how to do it, work with them. Don't be afraid to ask and don't yep. be afraid to try. One of the things about resources is a lot of therapists will come from a socioeconomic background that means they don't necessarily have a huge amount of money to invest. One of the things that I find most interesting is let's say you're in massage school and there's one of the students in school who for some reason he's in massage school, but he knows how to build websites. Why aren't the other students in school hiring him to build the websites for them. He could almost make more money building websites for massage therapists as an additional revenue stream and taking the pressure off of these therapists. And then another guy has a video camera and recording equipment and editing software. And then this guy, in other words, the therapists are teaming up across skills to build each other's businesses. I very rarely see that. Sort of a cooperative of sorts. Yeah. Well, I feel like most of the time, whenever I try and work with things, I try and work cooperatively because, uh, you know, being the best at something or being the third best at something, that's all fine and dandy, but that doesn't get you anywhere. If you're not, I mean, it's the same thing we we're talking about um, earlier with working at the time massage jams, working in community. Now, we may not be able to work in community in person right now, but we have the opportunity to work as a community online. And working as a community is how we change the, the status quo. And honestly, there's so many people that have told me that they're scared of liability for doing an online session. They're scared of this. They're scared of that. They're, you know, oh, they don't feel comfortable in front of the camera. They don't feel this. You know what? That's fine. But don't try and put any of your limitations on someone else 
And also, when you find that limitation, examine it. Don't just say, this is my limitation. Look at that limitation in the mirror. When I've talked to you about doing this whole scaling thing, and my personal limitation is I don't want to do all that work. I want to hire someone to do all that work. Um, yeah, it takes money. Exactly. Well, it can if be I, pricey. Like, I don't want to discourage you, but yeah. Well, I have no problem creating content. I can get on and I can talk to people and I can do a video and I can, you know, and I enjoy networking and talking to people. And I personally would love to find people. Um, right now I'm working with a lady who she's going to take a percentage. You know, I, I really like people that take percentages because I feel like they're a little bit more invested because instead of just like, I'll build you a website for $500, um, but it could be a lot more expensive when you're talking about growing something from a thousand dollars a month where that person's only going to get like five bucks a month to growing something to a million dollars a month which will then they'll making five thousand a month there's an investment that happens in that for them to really push and push and push and push and to see how scalable something is yeah so it, you know i i really i encourage people to take a look at their limitations and why they have them and where they come from and to see if they really don't want to overcome it, okay, hire it out. If they really can overcome it, push and do it. People would ask me how I got comfortable on camera, and I always tell them I just feared poverty more than haters. <laughs> it's like, listen, I'm brash, I'm arrogant, I'm a white guy in America, not the most popular person in the world. Um, I draw enough clients and I draw enough students to pay my bills and I work for myself and I wear Pink Floyd t-shirts and nobody tells me otherwise. Like to me, from an entrepreneurial standpoint, it doesn't mean I make millions of dollars a year, but I live the life that I want to. Well, I mean, I traveled eight months last year. <laughs> I remember when I was in massage school, I was thinking, God, wouldn't it be nice just to have six weeks off a year? Like, because at that point, I had a day job, and I had two weeks off a year. And the only reason I had two weeks is because I had negotiated with my bosses, because I wasn't supposed to get another week for, I don't know, I think it was three more years. And I said, well, if you want to promote me, then you need to give me another week off. And I just wished and wished so hard to have six weeks off a year. That's all I wanted. And then last month, last year, to do eight months, and then still be like, well, what am I going to do this year? <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's phenomenal what you can do based off what you, what you really want. I mean, there's a lot of things that I don't do that other people do, you know, like I usually buy most of my clothes secondhand or I buy one really nice piece. I don't go shopping. I don't have expensive purses. Yep. I don't have expensive things. Um, when yep. I, when I spent a month in Italy, I think I stayed in a nice place I mean, no, I mean, I stayed in several nice places, but I didn't spend more than 20 to $25 a night yep. staying in those places. You know, there was some times where I would like talk to a bunch of people and be like, Hey, do you guys all want to rent a really nice Airbnb for the night? And so we'd get like this five, five room mansion and we'd each have chipped in like $30 for the entire night. And we got a $250 mansion, you know, like, yeah. um, it, your lifestyle. So I, the other day I was talking to someone and he said, I want to make a bunch of money and then I want to redo my lifestyle. And I'm like, that seems wrong. 
aren't you supposed to reevaluate your lifestyle before you start trying to make the money? Like, is, aren't you supposed to figure out what it is that you want before you make the money? Like, sure, you can reevaluate later again, but without a goal and without figuring out what it is you really want. Do you want more time off? Do you want to travel? Do you want to spend more time with your kids? Do you want to have that really expensive car? I know a massage therapist, John Gibbons, met at the World Massage uh, Championship. He races fast cars and he does diving around the world and he does classes around the world, booked up like a book a year. And like, he's got, in my mind, he's got a very, very like lavish lifestyle. Now, do I know him and I, do I talk to him every week? No. But when I see that he has these, you know, these beautiful cars or these, you know, beautiful diving excursions in the middle of some ocean somewhere that I've never even heard of, I'm like, damn, you know, that's a possibility. If I like, uh, there, we don't all have the same possibilities, but we do all have the choices that can lead us to something that's closer to what we want. Yeah, and that's where I American freedom, the sense of you can create pieces of your destiny. I'm a big, big fan of getting people to dream and then saying, okay, now how do we manifest that? And they're like, oh, that's a lot of work. And I go, yeah. But is that what you really want? Well, and it's also work backwards. Um, very frequently, people want a, a pathway forwards, but it's easier to work backwards. So once you figure out what it is you want, you know, um, I somebody who is very wise who did um, startups for a living, he says, um, throw all the things you want down on a page and then box them in. And then once you box them in, work backwards. So the biggest one to the the smaller one to the smaller one to the smaller one to the smaller one. Um, if you want to be a world famous singer, well, what's right before that? You, you know, you have a world famous concert. What's one step before that? You book the concert. What's one step before that? You're advertising for the concert. What's one step before that? And you step, 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 step until you're exactly where you are right now, right here. And you have this guideline in front of you. Now, is that guideline going to be perfect? Is that going to be exactly what? No, but you have a place to start. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't think, um, I, you know, my business, I never thought I would teach online. That wasn't how I started at all. I was just trying to, I love this. I want to share it. And I started doing that. And then it started to shift and change where I'm at now doing a two hour podcast with someone in Washington state is not where I thought I would wind up 10 years later. You know, other people are still asking me, they're like, I don't understand why you make all those YouTube videos. And I go, global reach to an audience and a percentage of these people become fans and followers and friends and allies and colleagues. And then they buy stuff, whether it's in person or online or whatever, and things continue to grow and build and you have connections. When I talked to you and said, hey, I need a place to rent. You're like, oh, Joe Levin. It's like, that's the thing. It's networking. A colleague was giving me a place to rent. Joe was going to make money. And it just cycles around because we're able to share resources because I need a place in Washington and I don't know the geography of where to rent. Yeah. yeah. Well, and like, it's all about not being afraid to ask and not being afraid to let people know what it is you need and, you know, what's going on. You know, we don't want to, I know personally, sometimes I get into this kind of a little bit whiny zone, mm -hmm. you know, where I'm, I'm talking to like a dear friend and I'm talking about the exact same thing that I bitched about a week before and I still haven't changed what it is I need to change to get out of that. Right. Um, and you know what? That's okay. 
that's fucking okay. But I also realize that I'm the one that's not changing it. You know, I'm, I realize that that's, that's where I'm sitting at instead of, you know, making the change on it. Um, but it's okay to have all the different emotions. It's okay to be angry, whiny, sad, scared. Those are not the problem. But not being able to ask for what you need, I think that's the problem, honestly. Not being able to ask for what you need and not being able to take a no. Yeah. Communication in the age of, you know, um, so pre-pandemic, me too. Like people's capacity for communication. You talked about like uh, couples, working with couples and seeing the communication and how the communication changed. Time Massage Jam was a social experiment that went well. And I would pull a young lady aside who's 19 years old, very lovely. And I'd say, listen, are you having problems with guys? And she's like, no, time massage jam is the best thing ever. And I'm like, why? And she's like, because I can come, I can get touch. It's totally in public. If anything happened, I'd say, hey, don't touch me. And somebody wouldn't touch me. And the community would enforce that. And if I'm working with somebody and I don't want to work with them, I get up, go to the bathroom, come back, work with somebody else. Basically, what she's saying is, I'm a woman in America, and I can't get touch because boys are just invested in sex. But I created an event that, like, makes a distinction. Not that there's anything wrong with people wanting sex. It's just, it's not what we offer as body workers. And when people don't have a context to be able to figure out how to communicate, to get consent for touch, that even if it is non-sexual, it's like if I was at a party you know, having a beer was talking to you and offered to rub your shoulders. People make certain assumptions about that sort of thing, even if that's a fairly, you know, puritanical uh, thing. In other words, there's no uh, untoward notions or um, intentions intended. Um, People in America in a puritanical culture are just weird about touch. And personally, this is me, I get freaked out at people's communication. They're like, you're so direct. You're so forward. And I'm like, how do I get consent from you if I can't ask you a question and have you answer me? Yeah, well, I mean, I think that it's definitely a culture thing. Um, I, I have talked in a lot of different cultures and talked to a lot of different people, and it's not the same everywhere. You know, in Germany, um, I was doing massage in Berlin, and uh, the, the clients would just like strip in front of me as I'm doing the intake. And I'm like, wait a second, I need to like leave the room. And they're like, no, I don't care. And they're just like, you know, stripped in front and laid out naked, ready. And I'm talking to the people in Germany, I'm talking to people in Berlin and they're like, and they're booking 30 minute massage sessions. And I'm like, okay, I do these sometimes in the States, but I don't normally do these. And they're like, yeah, well, statistically, if I get 30 minutes a week, I work better. And the, the, it's literally, they were basing it off of science and they were basing it off of like 30 minutes a week of touch yeah. makes me perform better, which is why I'm doing this. And it's no big deal because like, it's just a body. You go to spas. I mean, I go to spas. Um, it's one of my wonderful things. I love them so much, but going to a spa in Baden-Baden, Germany, and it's, you know, the spa has been there for hundreds of years. Actually, there's been a spa on that site since before the Romans were there and they still have all the ruins underneath. I highly recommend anybody who's, who likes spas to see that. Um, but it, it, you know, Hitler went there. Like, I mean, this spa has been here for a very, very, very long time with all different people going. Um, and it's a completely naked spa. You know, they have one 
half that is all female, one half that's all male, and then they have a couple days a week where everybody, male and female, goes back and forth. Doesn't matter. And you're not sitting and looking at people, and there's not this like, oh my god, he he has that. Or, oh my god, she has this. There's none of that kind of lasciviousness that I find in a lot of other places. I mean, on a nude yeah. beach in Mexico, Zipolite. You know, everybody's walking around. There, there's a lover's beach, which is where people go and make love. And then there's the normal nude beach where everybody is not dealing with all that. And then there's a beach on the other side where people wear clothes. And um, our bodies, I mean, personally, I don't think our bodies are meant to be feared and are meant to be shamed and are meant to be all that. But I have a very specific path that I took to get here. And I'm sure you do, too. It's hard, it's hard to explain. I had someone in a massage group because massage therapists have a certain cultural context from massage school often. And they said something about Esalen and Esalen massage and it's weird. It's done naked. And I'm like, have you ever been to Esalen? And they're like, no, why? I'm like, okay. So one Esalen is not really part of the United States. It exists somewhere in the ephemera off in the Pacific ocean between the west and the east of Japan. Like, I don't know, I've never been to a place in the United States that struck me the way this did, and I spent a month there. So the first time you go out to the bath and you get naked, you're like, oh, I'm getting naked, this is kind of weird. And then you go jump in the naturally fed hot springs and you sit there for an hour while the waves crash against the rocks. Those naturally fed hot springs are right next to where the massage facility is and it's open air it's constructed in such a way that there's this big overhang okay that the waves catch that sound and bounce it through the room so there's just this constant crashing waves and water you're naked in the baths to hang out and then your massage therapist comes and get you and you just go get your massage like not only is it not sexual, it's contextually to its culture, it's not part of the United States, is what it felt like to me. Like, it was so completely acceptable, it just created this slightly different culture within the United States. I mean, I know geographically they're in the U.S., it's a big surf, but it's not the same cultural context, and that's what's very hard to explain to people who've never been to a Turkish bath, a hammam. And they've never been in a sauna in Finland with a Finnish family where the whole family gets naked. And this is a normal cleansing ritual. It's a normal part of their day. Nobody's concerned about nudity. Like it's just a very different cultural context that I think is hard to explain to the average therapist or average American. Yeah. Well, I mean, up in Seattle, we have the um, Korean day spa and you know, the, it's a women's Korean day spa. I, I would like it if we had something that was like that for both male and female. I know we have some spas that are co-ed and we have some, a couple of them. Um, I, I only know of one, but there might be more um, in the Seattle area that is naked co-ed. Uh, you know, I go and I never worry about anything. Now, however, my boyfriend who is uh, Mexican and his culture doesn't really understand that or approve of that, at least from his version of that culture to me. Um, you know, he, I sit and I tell him about all the spas I went naked to in Europe, and he's like, oh my god, that many people saw your naked body? And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, I, I went to Greece and Turkey when I was like 19. Um, I did it as a school trip when I was in college, 
And part of the reason I did it was I didn't know if I'd ever be able to travel like this ever again. It was covered by student loans. And I went to Athens. We went through the Greek islands. We went through the Turkish islands and we got to Istanbul. And when I got to Istanbul, I went to the oldest hammam in Istanbul. And a big sweaty Turk came in, big hairy guy, <laughs> and he sudsed me up and lathered me and smeared me around on this big hot marble slab, you know, oh. sat me up, cracked my neck. And it's like, was it a bath? Was it a massage? Was it a chiropractic adjustment? It's like, it's Istanbul. Like, the, the rules yeah. don't apply here. Like, this is a very different cultural context. Well, and quite frequently, you'll see on um, worldwide massage therapy groups where somebody says, um, oh, I do this. And another person says, where are you located? Because in Washington State, or where are you located? Because in Texas, like, and I love, I love massage therapists so much. I love massage so much. I love, <laughs> I love, I love people. I love them so much. And I really care and appreciate. And there's so much love that needs to be shared. But for gosh darn it sakes, can we understand that culturally we are so different? Like, I'm not going to sit and be mad at somebody because they want to keep their underwear on during a massage. Yeah. Um, and, I'm not going to sit and be, be mad. We, we try to be culturally considerate. And I think yeah. also it's very hard for the public to understand the degree of intimacy that we have with clients where we have to engage and you're like, Oh, you didn't want to take off your underwear. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like there's all sorts of little nuance to the sort of interaction we have with clients. Yeah. Well, or, you know, if somebody wants to have a clothes massage, okay. Like no problem. I can do a clothes massage. I can do, you know, like freaking two hours all over, over a sheet, over clothes, over anything I need. Um, adapt, adaptability. I can't say that word today. Being adaptable <laughs> um, is... <laughs> is what is not only going to help us through this pandemic, but also is going to help us through our lives. Because if you're not adaptable, then that's the, you know, it's kind of the, I don't want to say sink or swim because it's not how I want to feel and what I want to put out into the universe, but you have to be adaptable. You said yourself, you're going to have to go get a job if this keeps on going. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm looking at teaching English online because it's one of the few things that I can do, and I don't even have a degree, which means I have to go for the bootleg teaching English online yeah. websites. Um, right, you know, there, there's so much that in the Washington state right now of my lifestyle that is gone. I mean, I don't have a place to live up there anymore. I don't have an office up there anymore. I don't have, you know, like there's so much that has just been wiped clean. And I'm thinking, okay, what's next? And like, that, like I said, that pattern comes in and then you just figure out how to adapt. Are you going to move back into Issaquah? I have no idea. I, um, okay. I, I know that I'll always maintain a presence in Issaquah specifically for my, my clients that I have. Because I have about 500 clients that are on my email list that whenever I'm in town, I send out an email and I'm fully booked for however long I'm in town. Um, which is a really, it's, it's very solid for me. It's very beneficial for me. It means that no, weather, no matter where I am in the world, if I'm broke, I can fly back, see these people, and then make a whole bunch of money and then fly away. Um, I was planning on setting up a practice down here in Cabo to do, do something similar so that I'd have like a little nest in Cabo, a little nest in Seattle. I'd love to have a nest in Hawaii. Um, I'm a little limited on building in the United States due to the fact that my significant other um, 
can't be in the United States, which is a whole thing. Um, yeah. So if I do build anything there, it's because I choose to be away from him and I'm building there. But I, I mean, my family's out in Swim, a couple hours away from Issaquah. My, my community is in the Washington area and the Seattle area. My mentor, a couple of my mentors, um, just, you know, the people that I really care for. So I'll always maintain something there. Now, where I'm living, I mean, over the last three years, I think I've moved like 20, 25 times. And when I say moved, you know, none of it was like a permanent location. It was always just kind of, but that's the lifestyle I chose because I don't want to pay $2,000 a month in rent. Yeah. I'm just not, I'm not interested in doing it. I am like, I have some dear friends that travel a lot, but they maintain their $2,000. Now, when I say they travel a lot, they travel like four times a year for about two weeks to a month. They're massage therapists and they, they have a kid and they, you know, but this one in particular I'm talking about, she does the most amazing relaxation to our massage. I go, I pay her and I am gone. I am outside of my body. I'm not back in. And she has that kind of clientele that if she's gone for a couple of weeks, they'll wait. Um, so uh, different lifestyles are available to massage therapists if you reach for it. Yeah. Now there are, I have another massage therapist friend who does all clothed massage, has two kids um, and is living in low income housing, but she doesn't, you know, she works only when she can, when she can have people take care of her kids. And she has a little garden and she's very happy and she's doing, you know, she's creative and she gets still, you know, your lifestyle is based off what's really important to you. Yeah. The challenge um, um, that I would have, I, when I went to Hawaii, it's one of the places other than Esalen, other than that Big Sur area that really drew me in. And somebody asked me like, you know, could, could we work here? And I'm like, dude, if I set up my suspension between these two palm trees and had every tourist just make a video for Instagram and tag me in it. Like I could just give away sessions. We would be world famous. Like, yes, the challenge is one, I'm going to have to teach online extensively if I live in Hawaii. And two, for people to take classes, I either have to come to the mainland or they have to come out to Hawaii. So, I mean, I've already come up with a solution for that. It's called the massage vacation. <laughs> uh, I had been advertising it previously to go out to, um, oh God, it was a I, Mallorca in Spain. And basically as massage therapists, if you work for yourself, then you can actually use a massage vacation as a tax deduction. So if you go to travel to a continuing education class, if you're going for that, you can use the airfare, you can use the amount of time that you're there, you can use the class as a deduction. Um, going to Hawaii, Hawaii is a great place in order to go to a massage vacation. I mean, those practically sell themselves because it's Hawaii. Um, I mean, I don't think you'd have, if you really wanted a center in Hawaii, I don't think you'd have a problem with that. And airfare to well, Seattle is... Yeah, like I don't, I don't know. I grew up in a swamp in Louisiana and I now live in Central Texas. I really liked Hawaii, but Hawaii is expensive and there's other, you know, pieces um, of stuff that I would have to deal with. But I really liked it much more than I even thought I would. So for me, my business is changing much in the same way you talked about teaching online, you know, and then revenue streams. Like a lot of my stuff is building online 
even though I'm still teaching in-person classes and in-person sessions. I think that I could build a client base in Hawaii quite easily. The question would be like, could I build enough online to be able to boost my income? Because I wouldn't be able to teach in-person classes as frequently. I don't think. I mean, if you look at Sarga, are you familiar with the lady who created yeah. Sarga? Okay. Yeah. Um, she, she has a very robust business that is going on in Hawaii and she does a lot of her classes in Hawaii. You know, she really, you know, she has, you know, round one going on almost all the time and round two going on regularly. Um, I, I do, I think that the massage industry could really use something like massage vacation to kind of take off. I think I would love to be a curator of fine continuing education. Basically, I go and find all these phenomenal people like yourself, like Sarga, like all this sort of stuff. And then I package it into something that's affordable for a massage therapist. You know, either yeah. they can do payments or basically like I, I would love to be that curator of, fine, you know, wondering hummingbird massage vacations. You know, what kind of massage are you looking for? Oh, I want Thai massage. Oh, I want this. Oh, I want that. And then figure out how much the, the thing that's a lot of back end work, but I already have so many amazing connections from the World Massage Championship and from the people that I've met online and from the people I've met in person that, you know, you tell me what time of year you want a class and what kind of class you want, and I can probably hook you up with the person you need. It's not going to be a, a big ordeal. And, you know, we all have to take breaks. I know, you know, there's people, we all have to take breaks. Sitting and thinking that we can work five days a week for you know, 20 to 40 hours a week and maintain our hands, maintain our arms, maintain our body, um, I don't find it feasible. I mean, I know a massage therapist who does insurance work and he does uh, eight clients a day, six days a week. And I don't understand how he does it. Like his, when I give him a massage, his body is all sorts of whack and he only gets a massage every couple of months. Why are we only getting a massage every couple of months? Sorry, that's a whole nother tangent. Money and time. Well, the other thing is the time massage jam. They're like, well, you know, your sessions are expensive. I'm like, time massage jam's five bucks. And they're like, oh, but it's like a full session. And I'm like, it's almost free, guys. Like the rent goes to the facility. Like, do you want a free hour? <laughs> Like, I just give it away. The only way I knew how to draw interest in what I was doing was just to give it away. And that's adapted online quite well. Well, and, you know, what's amazing is if we taught the people around us how to massage, maybe we'd get more touch. Well, if we the other part is we, we maybe our, our social issues wouldn't be so bad if people knew touch could separate touch for sexuality and actually be able to verbally get consent from people. Oh, yeah. Well, and if we could just take the word play back from the pedophiles, apparently. Sorry, I probably shouldn't have said that, but um, I got a lot of flack for telling people to come and, you know, hey, come play with me. We're just, we're going to get together and we're going to do a massage party and we're just going to play. And people were like, if I told a doctor I worked with play, they would kick me out of the hospital. And I was like, that's the doctor's fucking problem. You, if the doctor is sitting and thinking that the term play in their work is is a negative source if someone's sitting and thinking that because you say play that you're a pervert if you say play that you know if i say i'm gonna go play with your kids are you really thinking that i'm saying something weird if i say i'm gonna play during my massage are you really thinking 
because in play, in that creativity is where we find and create. And if we're not allowed to play in our work, what is the point Language. in doing our work? Language, semantics, interpretation. Yeah. Sorry, that, that's a trigger point for me because I really, I would like to take the word playback as not being a dirty word. I would like to take, you know, massage back, you know, like, let the prostitutes prostitute, you know, let, make that legal, make all that um, where people can actually do it legally and be safe and take care of things and then have massage be massage. You know, like, let's not con continue to make it so that we have to have this, like, uh, where the, the public doesn't understand which, what they're going for whenever they go to a massage place. Yeah. You know, like, like let's not have that, that negative stigma to continue because, I mean, I've been to Amsterdam. I've seen legalized prostitution. Did I want to get in on it? No. no. Like, you know, I'm, I'm walking through the red light district and I'm looking at everything. I'm like, okay, this is, this is how they do it. All right. Cool. Um, and that doesn't make me want to do it. I'm a massage therapist. I love massage. But it is very delineated. If you go to Amsterdam and you, you know, book a massage, you're not, you're not getting a happy ending. If you go to Amsterdam yep. and you book a happy ending, you're not getting a massage. The, the massage community on Facebook has changed over the years, and I think it's loosened up a little bit. But um, if I mentioned anything about just legalizing prostitution to get rid of those issues, I was met with just like, oh, my God, no way. We could never do that. And I go, okay. So listen, if you're not going to separate yourself more from prostitution and make prostitution legal and taxed and safe, just like everything else is legal and taxed and as safe as it can be, and you're not going to take out your phone and shoot video of what you do and educate people, don't complain that people sexualize your industry. My work is completely closed on, completely mat based, and I can film and photo document everything I do. I continue to go out and show people what it is and let those people find me. I don't get confused with being a prostitute. Now, I'm also a male in an 80% female dominated industry, but I can't do anything about the public's perception of everybody else's practice. They know what I do, they can see it again and again and again and again and again. You know, there's almost 1,500 videos probably worth of what I do on my YouTube channel. Nobody's contacting me for prostitution. I think the last time I got contacted for prostitution was like two years ago. And somebody said, do you do, uh, emailed me and said, do you do erotic massage? And I said, I don't, but I know a bald man up in, you know, North Seattle that does. Are you interested in his contact info? <laughs> They never responded, of course, but, you know, it's one of those things where um, it, it, massage, I understand that massage is a very broad, it's not, you know, it's not just clothes massage, it's not just naked massage, it's not just Swedish, it's not just Thai, it's, not, it's such a broad art, I would like to call it an art, um, and I, I mean, me personally, I would love to just practice in all 50 states. I'd love it if we either have one licensure for everything or that they got gave away they got rid of all the red tape because it is so frustrating for me to wander around and not to be able to just like you know practice on people and so and I can give it away for free that's no problem I don't have a problem with giving my body work for free of course by the time I'm 35 I would actually like to have enough passive income built that I've done the like work now that I never have to charge for another session that is my goal. That is my dream. 
am I going to hit it? Who knows? I still, you know, I have six years. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how much work I put in now to see where I go then. Um, but I do, I want to, the, the constant of, you know, one state, you could, don't have to have a license. This one you don't, this one you don't. We don't have a union. We don't have, yeah. you know, we're supposed to have, you know, AMTA, AMBP. And I'm not knocking anything that they do. I'm not well, well informed enough to say what they do or do not do. Um, but the fact that I, you know, I went to Hawaii and I went through all the hoops to get my license, which was ridiculous, to yeah. say the least. Ridiculous. Um, and then, you know, I haven't even gone back and practiced, you know, like yeah. I did all these things and I haven't gone back. And yet I can go to Berlin and I can work and it's not required, you know? And if I make underneath a certain amount of thing and decide in that way, and you know, I'm all for being um, ethical and moral and legal. I also understand that not all things legal are moral or ethical. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of things where there are these, these laws. I mean, there's still a law in, in Texas where you're not allowed to own more than four vibrators. It's still a law that is on the books in a, in a place in Texas. And it's like, okay, who's going to tell me how many vibrators I have? Who's going to tell me how, you know, what's going on? Like, <laughs> You're in promotion of American liberty. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just, it, it blows my mind that, um, that people really uh, connect legality with ethical, even at this point in time, because slavery was legal. Um, you know, uh, uh, reporting um, undocumented immigrants and sending them into, you know, ICE camps where they basically don't know how long they're going to be in or out. Um, you know, like putting people in jail for marijuana in one state, but in another state, they were selling it and making buku tax dollars off it. Like, legality is, well, it's legal. I don't spend much time worrying about it. I do my thing, uh, try to stay above board legally. You know, I tell people regularly, I have to announce this. I have three licenses in Texas. I'm nationally certified. I'm a member of AMTA and I'm a member of ABMP and I'm a nationally certified provider. I do all of that. I follow the law. I just don't agree with it. And that's what it is. It's like people ver seem very confused by that. Like, why would you be against it? And I'm like, okay, sit down and have a conversation with me for a few hours over beer and let's talk about it. Because every state I go into, go into has a new set of laws that's a new set of red tape that makes it more expensive for me to go and help people and educate. Your state is slowing down the evolution of my industry. And I go, oh, wow, the internet. Wow, this is a great place for an anarchist. There's no rules here. This is nice. I can distribute information globally. And people from Mauritius are contacting me. Like, this is nice. Let's do this. Because this seems oh. like teaching and education and not having to worry about every little, you know, dotted I and cross T. Well, and it is very important that if you're going to do something, talk to a lawyer. Just talk to one. You know, just talk to them. Worst thing that they say is that's not legal. And then you make an educated decision about whether you're going to continue to do an illegal activity or you don't. Yeah. Um, it, it, there are certain situations where it does not hurt to ask. Now, if you go on one of these big, huge groups and you ask a question, um, there might be ramifications in the fact that people aren't going to see it as just an innocent question. They're going to see yeah. it and they're going to be like, oh my God, you do this, you do that, you do this. And 
you know, well, we get all I was, the... I was attacked in Washington State massage groups for not getting informed consent. And what I did was I posted a video. And they said, did you get informed consent? And I'm like, what is informed consent? And they fucking lost their mind. Because, like, I'm asking you a question. You're questioning my fucking professional ethics because I made a video with a colleague. I'm not in light in Washington state. I'm not licensed in Washington state and I don't know you shit, but it's like, but they can question your professional integrity and then boot you from their group because you're teaching massage therapists not to get informed consent. And again, I say, what is informed consent? Do I have to describe how long the session is, how I'll be interacting with the person's body? Like how far do you go? I live in Texas. We have different laws. We have different rules. You guys sit on your high horse thinking you're healthcare providers. Well, I'm not. I'm under the Texas Department of Licensing and Registration. It's like, it's a different scenario. I'm teaching stuff online. If you don't like what I teach and you want to boot me, just be honest about it in the fact that you don't like I question your authority. That's all. But like questioning people's professional ethics, I've had people threaten my national certification providership. They're like, well, it would it would be a good idea if you stop talking, Robert, because people could re people could report you to the National Certification Board. And I'm like, report me for what? For you not agreeing with my opinion on something? It's like, guys, you're playing like police and Gestapo around something that you just don't like my message. I don't give a shit what you think. You don't control I've, me, and you don't control me from a licensure standpoint. I've had, um, so um, you've never received work from me, but you're probably a little bit familiar with the work I do. Um, a lot of the Lomi training I did, you know, I, I did, you know, in, in the belly and in the attachments of the hips and, you know, that whole, uh, and that, that's a very, that is one of our informed consent areas in Washington state. And I was working on another practitioner. Um, her name's Ariel. She actually has her own education standard. Um, she's, she's phenomenal. Um, I mean, absolutely phenomenal at the, not the end of her session, but the beginning of her session on me, she was like, I was really surprised that you didn't do informed consent for the hip work. I love the work you were doing, but when you were doing it, I expected you to say something before you just started doing it. And so me and her actually sat down because I don't, I don't like doing informed, like whenever I'm going to do chest work, I don't want to have yeah. to stop in the middle of the session and be like, okay, I'm going to work in your chest area. Is that okay? For yeah. me, that really disrupts the flow because when I'm getting into massage, I get into this flow state. And in that flow state, it's just everything that's going on that's happening, that's flowing, that's like coming in, that's going out. Um, I'm, I'm not sitting in like, okay, I need to stop. I, I, and, and let, but I do, me and her figured out a way to be able to communicate with my client before the massage an informed consent routine. And she didn't come after me in a negative way. She didn't say, you know, you're doing this wrong or any of that sort of stuff. You know, she was very like, I was just surprised. And at first when she said that, I was like, well, wait a second, you're a massage therapist too. And then I sat and I thought, I was like, okay, what can I get from this instead of being upset by it? And we created how I do, okay, before the massage, I say, um, I might touch here, here, touch the belly, do in on the hips. Um, or, and then touch my butt and I say, I may touch any of these places during our massage. Are any of those not okay with you? And the client will say yes or no. And then I say, you know, during the massage, is it, it, at any point you feel uncomfortable, too much pressure, too little pressure. You know, you don't, you want me to stop working on whatever I'm working on. 
speak up, please let me know. This is all part of that communication piece that we were talking about earlier, that it is our duty in my viewpoint, it is our duty to be able to use with our clients, with our family members, with the people we interact with on a daily basis. It's that kind of good communication structure. Um, and so now, you know, I do my informed consent at the beginning of my session every time. No problem. I did it with her. She absolutely loved it. And I get to do, you know, the really deep work that I find people say, I've never been touched there before. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, you have people sign paperwork, you have people sign off. The question was, you know, what is informed consent in Washington state? I'm like, well, what do you think informed consent is? Like you have different laws. Like I'm posting a video on the internet. I'm not Mr. Pure Relief. Like my work is closed. Like what the hell is going on? Like what I do is legal in your state. But it's like, well, we don't like you and your opinions. I'm like, well, you can go fuck yourself. I don't care if you don't like my opinions. And if you won't let me in your group, I'm just going to run ads in your state anyway. Like, you're not going to stop me because you don't like what I do. Well, a lot of people don't like what I do, but it's not going to stop me from, like, working with the clients and students that I want to work with. You're just, you're just being some indignant gatekeeper. Like, oh, you're a Facebook group admin. Congratulate yourself and your authority. Well, I mean, I recently, somebody posted about um, COVID and the Department of Health sending out their thing. And what I understood, um, and what I did is I commented and I said, what I understand from what you wrote, um, and I paraphrased it. I didn't say what I understand. In my mind, I was like, so what you're saying is, and I wrote it, and in the response, I mean, I she used like, two or three cuss words, and like, I mean, obviously from this conversation, I use the F word, you know, but there was like two or three cuss words, and basically like, you're the problem, and you're what's wrong, and I'm like, I was just trying to paraphrase what you said, like, I'm not sitting and trying to, and she was like, what are you trying to do, make me fail, set me up to fail, and I'm like, no, I'm sorry I upset you. <laughs> And her response is, you didn't upset me. And I'm like, okay, so you cuss, you use exclamation points, and use, you know, cap lock, because I didn't upset you, because what I said didn't bother you. All right. You know, there, there's so many, and during pandemic, it's going to be worse. People are going to be more reactive. People are going to be more hateful. And it's not because of what you're doing. It's because of what's going on for them. Sure. I mean, I can't continue to put out a message without drawing people who don't like it. Who are like, I don't like the way he dresses. I don't like the way he talks. I don't like the shirt he wore. I don't like, he doesn't get informed consent. They can make up shit. It doesn't matter. There's no ethics in our industry. Like individuals, nah, individuals will just trash you if they don't like you. It's the internet. It's like, oh, people have opinions about me? Well, welcome. <laughs> so I think we'll go ahead and uh, finish up. Can you tell people where they can find you again online? All right. Um, so I do have a Facebook group. It's called Awesome Beings of Massage. Um, I personally, if anybody asks questions, I'll respond. Um, if nobody asks questions, every once in a while I post stuff. Um, you're welcome to post stuff. I am fine with self-promotion as long as it is massage industry related and positive. I'm not really okay with uh, negativity. Uh, I am okay with questioning because I think questioning is very important. So it's called Awesome Beings of Massage. Um, I am on Facebook, Elise Amy Volkman. Um, I, they won't let me change it to Wandering Hummingbird on Facebook. 
Anyway, I'm on Instagram, wandering underscore hummingbird. Uh, my Instagram is just a bit about my travels. It's not usually all that much massage related. It's just kind of like a peek into who I am. I only got it from my parents, um, which might change because I need to do more social media. And then, yeah, I'm on a bunch of groups. I am wonderinghummingbirdmassage.com is my website. If anyone wants to reach out to me and sit and ask questions and visit, um, I love talking to people. I love trying to inspire people. I love being inspired. There are so many people in our industry that are so inspiring. And if you have any questions about like who I feel are inspiring, you know, let me know, you know, if you're interested in learning something, let me know. One of my strength, oh, we, we got off the track of the strength finder a while back, but um, one of my biggest uh, attributes is a connector and communication and, you know, networking and that sort of stuff. So it's very easy for me to connect you with who you want to talk to. Um, and I'm also not a scaredy cat. So I will just randomly message somebody and be like, Hey, <laughs> which is, I think what I did to you, Robert. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it works connecting with people. So listen, guys, uh, thank you so much uh, to Elise for coming on the program. I really, really appreciate it. I'm going to talk to you on the podcast here again soon. Um, I don't have like a set schedule. I just have people on as I can. Uh, thank you so much for supporting the podcast. You can find me online, RG Wellness, Robert G Wellness, uh, various platforms. Uh, there should be some links down below the podcast. And if you want to support the podcast, you can do so on Anchor. I believe you can sort of subscribe and pay like $4.99 or something a month to be able to support the podcast. It gives me a little bit of a residual income to continue working on uh, building this as like an interview platform. So thank you so much for joining us, Elise. And I will talk to you all very, very soon. Uh, let's see. Here we go.